Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. The focus of our conversation today will be on the focus of James 1, chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. And throughout this message, I'll share some other scripture with you. The word of God says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey It is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you carefully look into the picture, if you carefully look, if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Eternal and gracious God in heaven. We thank you today for all that you've done and all that you will do. God, we make all the room for you to bless this place from the center to circumference. God, today we make a a, a pledge to you to no longer be listeners of the word only, but also be doers of it. God, I offer this service to you. Bless me this opportunity as I am your ambassador. I pray today that I speak with pure authenticity And that these words that I share are pleasing to you. Oh God, I love you, I honor you, and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I don't know if you grew up in church. I won't make any assumptions. But the vast majority, as I look over this room, has some church in their life. And if you look back how much much church you have in your life, you've taken notes after notes. You've read scripture after scripture. This room alone, this side alone knows more scriptures than I do personally. This side over here, I guarantee, has more scriptures memorized than I do personally. The thing is, we have enough word, but not enough work. All of us have received enough revelation, but what we lack is application. We've all heard enough great sermons We've all read enough great books, but where we lose it at is applying it. I want to share with you today that I don't think it's because we don't have access to the word. We got plenty access. In case you didn't know, the Bible is still the number one best-selling book in the world. Six billion copies sold. The Bible is still the most translated book there is. Over 2,000 different language translations 
of the Bible. I didn't even know there were that many languages in the world. It's not lack of access to the word. It's application is where we drop the ball. Some of you may say, well, well, uh, you know, I can't be carrying the Bible with me all the time when I have a situation at work. If you have a smartphone, you can. Again, it's not lack of access to the word. It's lack of application. If you have a phone, you can download a Bible app, several Bible apps nowadays, and have the word in your pocket. Because guess what? You're going to go to your phone for Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all those other things and text messaging and to see who called or if you missed the call, you're going to check your voice message. Why not check with your Bible? We don't have lack of access to the word. It's application. It's application that we lack. How do I know? Well, we can look and see. There are probably about five Bibles on every shelf in American homes. Americans buy the Bible. They debate the Bible. They love the Bible. They just don't read the Bible. You know who said that? A gentleman by the name of Lamar Vest. Anyone know who Lamar Vest is? I'll share with you. He is the president of the American Bible Society. The president of the American Bible Society says that we buy the Bible, we have several different versions of the Bible on our shelves, but we don't read it. Now, what would make the president of the American Bible Society say such a thing? He doesn't see it. He doesn't see where we have applied it. One of my favorite quotes from Gandhi, and I may misquote it here, is what he said. He says, he says to somebody they were interviewing, he says, I love Jesus. I love Jesus, but I don't like you Christians. Why would he say such a thing? Because we don't model the stuff that Jesus has given us in the book. We've not applied those things. In other words, they can't see that we've grown. They can't see that we've actually heard uh, uh, the word. They can't see that we actually are reading this and applying it. He says we have five different translations of the Bible in the average home. And this man says we're not reading it. Some of y'all said, like, how are you going to say he ain't been in my house? He don't know me like that. The truth of the matter is all he has to do is look to see if we've applied it. And that's where he gets his idea that we are not sharing, that we're not reading the Bible because there's no application. The word is the instrument that makes us grow. The word is the instrument that makes us grow. I want to share something with you, and I'm not trying to be uh, a heretic here at all, but I just want to share something with you. The Bible can't change you. It can't. The Bible cannot change you. It's application of what's in the Bible that changes you. I brought with me today a mirror just because I like to look at myself, to be honest with you. I want to make sure that my shirt is right. My pen. Oh, wow. Hey, how you doing? All right. 
I just get like that. Whenever I see me, I get excited to see me. Am I the only person like that? You all want to see yourselves. Everything good? You straight? You all right? You good? All right, all right. This is not for y'all. It's for me. I brought this fancy mirror that my wife actually painted. It's really pretty. She did it herself. This mirror represents the Bible. How many of you got up this morning and did not look in the mirror? Okay, so you're all regular. Good. You look in the mirror for what? To see your imperfections, to see what you need. You know, you look in the mirror, maybe I need to shave today. Do I have any flappers? You know what I mean? Y'all know what flappers are. You look in the mirror to put your makeup on. Flappers, boogers. Yeah. We look, <laughs> we look in the mirror for different reasons. To fix our hair, to put our makeup on, to brush our teeth. I don't get that. You know, I don't know why we look to brush our Just brush them. You don't have to look at it. When you floss, you can do it, but you don't have to look to brush them. I never do. I walk away. But anyway, we look in the mirror for everything, right? We look in the mirror. Some of us look in the mirror after we're dressed, and we say, man, I could, you know, lose a few. I look in the mirror. The mirror has just given me a reflection of myself. The mirror has just told me, by looking in the mirror, I say, well, there's something I need to change. I didn't shave today. I need to do my hair. Looking in the mirror won't do that for me. I actually have to take that image that I see in the mirror and apply it. In other words, if I look in the mirror and say I want to lose weight, then the first thing I need to do is decide what my workout regimen is going to be, what my new diet is going to be. Looking in the mirror and saying I need to lose weight is not going to be enough. That's just my observation. I look in the mirror, oh, I need to lose weight. Going about my day. Get up the next morning. Eh, need to lose weight. Haven't done anything, right? Same thing. Do my, you know, my, oh, my hair's a little nappy. Oh, man, I got to do my hair. Look in the mirror. Walk out the house. What did I forget to do? My hair. Same thing. The Bible. Man, I'm struggling with with this sin in my life. What do I do? Bible says da 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 da. Okay. But I don't do that to that to that. I just walked away and forgot what I needed to do. Same thing. Oh man, I'm struggling with, you know, I, I, I'm so depressed and I'm mourning. I'm mourning the loss of a job. I'm, learning, I'm mourning the loss of a friend. I'm mourning, what do I do? Uh, the Bible says, you know, God promises to cover those. Okay, cool. So he promises, so I'm just going to go about my day and see if he's going to show up in my life. There's application. There's work that we must do with each scripture. And what happens is we look in that mirror, we read that Bible, we put it down, we come Sunday morning, man, that was a good word. I needed that scripture. That was right on time. Somebody shares a word with you. Man, that was a good word. That's exactly what I needed. When I needed it, that was perfect. Monday comes, ish happens in your life, and you forgot the word. Ish happens in your life. You forgot the word. Tuesday comes, somebody reminds you of the word. You got it. You're going to apply it. You didn't, but you're going to apply it. Nothing happened. Something else happens in your life. You forgot the word. Never did you apply it. You take the sermon, you, you fill out the notes on a sermon outline. Oh, that's good. I'm going to share this with my neighbor because I, I know they need it. 
Two months from now, something, the same thing that you share with your neighbor happens to you, but you forgot that you took those notes. These, these are not notes, obviously, but you get my point. You forgot those same notes that you filled out. So today, if you look at your handout, there are no fill in the blanks. It's just scripture. Because today, I personally feel that you have enough word to fix any and area, any and every area you need assistance in. Whatever your shortcomings are, whatever your struggles are, whatever your challenges are, you've got enough word to fix it. You can today become a doer of the word. James second chapter verse 14 and verse 17 says this, and you've heard this before, but I love it. It's one of my favorites. James says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your, what? Actions. Can that kind of faith save anyone? Then it goes, uh, verse 17. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Anyone know what good deeds are? I'll tell you. Actions. Good deeds are actions. Unless your faith produces action, it is dead. Unless your faith produces actions, it is dead and useless. Oh, I love the Lord. I'm not worrying about nothing. He's going to cover me. I ain't worrying about a doggone thing. And nothing happened. Because you sat down on your faith. No actions. Faith without work, without actions is dead and then he says useless what good is it to say I have faith if I'm not acting as if I have faith I understand why pastors get stressed out because we always talking with stressed out people and we share the same sermon over and over again. We point them to the same scripture we pointed them to two months ago. We point them to the same scripture that we pointed to them last year, same time last year. Sometimes it's after tax time. Oh, y'all get that later. And the pastor's like frustrated. I want the pastor wants to say, get it to doggone together. Didn't we go over this already? Go to the podcast from last year at the same time. Where are your sermon notes? I got the same scripture today that I had for you last year. It's not changing. We take on the same pressures and the same burdens and it's like, just doggone do it. Just doggone do it. It's that simple. Do it. Put your faith to work. Your friends see you walking around claiming you're Christian with your I love Jesus stuff on. You're proud. You're blasting 102.5 praise. You got your shout on. You can shout better than anybody you know. But as soon as the ish hits the fan, you flop. You flop 
flip-flop, fall down, and just become a mess of a person. And your friends who've been watching you get your praise on because everything was good. Your friends who've been watching you just shout like nobody else's business. Your friends who you were giving scriptures to are looking at you like, yo, what up? What gives? I mean, like a few months ago, you had it going on, but now you are not even practicing what you preach. And the amazing thing is your friend will turn around and give you what you gave them. Here you go. And you look at it like, that looks like my handwriting. That, that, that is. And you got egg all on your face. When all you had to do was apply it. I get tired of doubters. Anybody in here get tired of doubters? Everybody knows some, only one or two people. Everybody else like doubters. That's cool. Oh, I get it. That's y'all. Duh. No real talk. Don't you hate getting around that negative person? You got a dream. It's like, yo, let me, let me tell you about this dream. I, I, I want to start this nonprofit. And, and I, I, listen, I don't know the first thing about it. Matter of fact, I'm late on my own taxes. But I, I just want to go get my, 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 my 501c3 uh, nonprofit status. And I want to get my tax size uh, exempt idea. I want to go and serve these kids. And you got all this passion and you share with somebody. First thing you say, well, did you go to college for that? How many kids did you mentor this week? They just start off with negatives. I can't stand them people. And they're the ones with the biggest Christian badge on their chest. Walking around with their Bible all ripped up and raggedy and different highlighted colors in there. But they're the first ones to doubt what God can do. It's quiet in here, but I understand. I might be talking to you. I can't stand negative people. And a lot of them are Christians who are not putting their faith into action. And I charge you all today, if y'all got some of them in your circle, dismiss them. They need a timeout. Because what happened is, their negative energy will piss you off. I'm just going to say it. It's going to piss you off, and it's going to stunt your growth. Because you've attached yourself to somebody who doesn't believe, not in you, but in God. And the minute you put your vision or your dream or the thing that God birthed in your belly out there to them, the first thing that come out their big old lips is failure. The opportunity for failure. These are people who I say look at the glass as half empty, meaning that it keeps getting lower and lower and lower. No opportunity to fill it up. Dismiss yourself for those people. Because those are those people who look in the mirror and say, I need to make a change. I don't like the way I look. I don't like the way I feel. I'm going to make a change today. And didn't do a doggone thing. Many of us have that same thing. I want to make a change today. It trips me out when I talk to people and they say, <laughs> you know what? I want to start, you know, living my life of Christ. I want to get more into the word. I want to, I really want to do some things. And I said, you don't need to get more into the word. Just do what you already know. You don't need more word. You got enough doggone word. Just start doing it. Huh? You got more word than you can handle. Just do. Now it's due time. Let's do. Just do it like Nike. Just doggone do it. 
Do it. Stop talking about I need more. No, you don't. Everything you need, even scripture tells us, everything you need is already available and provided to you. You don't need no more money. You don't need no more sermons. You don't need a whole bunch of worship. Now, I'm not saying don't stop. Don't stop coming. I need y'all here. Okay? It just means that I might preach some sermons that I already preached. There's a story of a pastor who preached a sermon, the same sermon, for five consecutive weeks in a row. The story of a pastor preached the same sermon for five consecutive weeks in a row. Then finally someone had enough gall to say, hey, man, you know, why do you keep preaching this same old sermon? When are you going to do the next sermon? He says, well, I'll change sermons when you start doing what I told you the last five sermons. He was actually talking about tithing in that message. That's not my sermon today. Don't get nervous. Y'all got quiet. Tyler. <gasps> Anyhow, here's what I want to say. All the Bible we've read, all the scripture we've heard, all the sermons and outlines we've done, it's all good. It's all gravy, baby. It's really good. But it's useless if you do not apply it. If, I, if, if we leave here today... Now, the thing is, today is not like one of those things where it's like, I help you service. It's really not. Today's message is not about forgiveness and how you should forgive. Today's message is not about how to love and how you should love. It's not about any of that. It's not about the modern family. And No, today is about just doing all the stuff we've said since September 16th last year. It's gathering that big old folder full of outlines that you have and saying, you know what, you know what, he talked about this. Let me fix that. I can, I can do that. I already have the notes on that. I don't even need, he don't even need to preach that no more. He doesn't even need to preach that anymore. Here's the thing. Anybody can come to church and listen to a sermon. Anybody. Anybody. All my kids can come in here and listen to a sermon and, and kind of understand what it means. Anybody can do that. But here is the proof in the pudding. Actually doing what you've heard actually doing and I'm gonna keep repeating that you know Hebrews 11 uh, if you read Hebrews 11 it's this list of people that are uh, listed with great faith and it's and it, I mean it, it, it go, it's it, it's Old Testament New Testament I mean Paul breaks it down all of these people who are listed with great faith all right and as I read that list and I look at these names from Abraham to, to Noah to, to, I mean, it's, it's a wonderful list of people. And I say, man, if I look at their stories, each and every one of them, for those listening to the podcast, that's every, each and every one of them, it required an action for their faith to grow. It required them to do something. Or as they say back in a something, it required action, whether it was through prayer, building something in Noah's case, or Abraham and his wife getting pregnant. They had to do something for that to happen. That wasn't the virgin birth. We know that, right? They had to come together and bada boom, bada bing. Every faith walk required action as I look at that list that extensive list the entire chapter is devoted to these people 
listed as people of great faith. And they only made this wonderful history book in Hebrews because they actually exercised their faith. They did something. Their actions caused their faith to become a blessing. They did something for God to respond to them. He didn't just say, go do, not do. And they didn't, they didn't do. Imagine God coming to you saying, hey, it's going to be a flood in a few days, right? What I want you to do is build me an ark and grab a couple of each species of animal, okay? And, 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 and put them all on there. And you're like, dude, I don't even own a hammer. What, where am I get nails from? And how do I know what animal, where am I going to find the animals of each species? Like, are you serious? You got to be crazy. But he did. He took the first step of faith and did it. And magically, a hammer appeared. I don't know if that's true, but somehow he had to nail something. I don't think he had glue. Right? Suddenly, he became a wise carpenter when he didn't know that before. Suddenly, he was like, he can identify animals. Oh, that's an antelope. And he's this kind of species of an antelope. I need one of those, one of those, and two of those. He suddenly became wise because he jumped out there in faith. He put his faith into action. Oh, God, I believe you want me to do this. Oh, God, I believe I can do this. And God is like, what is thou going to do it? Stop talking about you can and you will. I know these things, but I just need you to go. I'm not going to come down there and push your behind because then you're tripping and you ain't going to get back up. Because you're already doubting what I can do before you even take the first flipping step. Anyway, I'm getting a little, a little excited. Many of us are cultural Christians. Cultural Christians. We're Christians because it's cool to be. We're Christians because of our identity. I'm a Christian. I love God. I love the Lord. He heard my cry. Can sing and quote scripture, but ain't applying a doggone bit of it. Not one single thing. Memorize scripture, can quote them when somebody needs a girl, the Bible say, man, let me tell you what the Bible says. But you ain't applying it. Many of us are cultural Christians. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you what Jesus said in this great sermon entitled the Sermon on the Mount. Several wonderful chapters where Jesus is on top of this hill. And he's preaching this sermon. Many scholars would say the book of James parallels to the Sermon on the Mount. And if you don't know who James is, let me tell you, that's Jesus' brother. Like they come from the same mama. They were in the same house. They probably had like fights over toys and stuff like that growing up. Yo, he took my, yo, he stumped my ear, mommy. And, you know, imagine that. He knew Jesus even better than the disciples because he, he actually walked in the bathroom after Jesus came out. You know what I'm saying? He knew him personally. Right? It's his brother. He knew him. And so when you read the book of James, many scholars would say it parallels the Sermon on the Mount. And I want to share with you Jesus' own words. In Matthew 7, this is the last chapter of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27. Jesus says this. This is Jesus. Anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. 
Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is smart. Huh? Oh, is that what it says? It says foolish. Exactly. You're a fool. I was going to throw a Mr. T joke in there, but I decided not to. <laughs> it just... Like a person who builds a house on sand, when the rains and floods come and the winds beat against those houses, it will collapse with a mighty crash. All right. This is a sidebar real quick, because as I read this, I thought of Mr. T. I thought of people who build beach houses, and I was like, Dad, what are you saying about those people? <laughs> you know you can't get flood insurance. They don't cover you in hurricane insurance. You just want to be exclusive, and your house gets blown away by the big bad wind called the, tor- called the hurricane. It just made me think of that. Anyway, Jesus himself was saying, if you listen to my teachings and you don't do anything, you just sit here and listen, it's like, man, Jesus, you can preach, boy. You, I love that thing about the parable. Give me that, man. Boy, you can, you can, you can preach, man. And you know how to lay hands on what you Boy, you good. And you got a little hoop, Jesus. Oh, man. And then you just go on about your business. Jesus said, thank you. Thank you for the pat on the back. Thank you for telling me something I already know. Fool. Fool, because that's what you are. You just sat here, wasted my flipping time, letting me preach this sermon. You shouted and danced. You were excited. You missed dinner hanging out with me, but you've not done a doggone thing about it. Way to go, fool. High five, fool. Remember the dunce hat? Yeah, the people who sit and listen in the sermons and don't do anything, they wear a fool hat. You can't see it. It's a spiritual fool hat. But you know who they are because you see them every day. They got word, but they're doubters. They got word, but they don't, they don't help nobody. That is, that's a need. They got a whole bunch of word, but you ain't seen them in a the church service in a very long time. Oh, they got a whole bunch of knowledge about the Bible, but they ain't doing nothing to apply it. They're not volunteering. They're not helping. They're not using their gifts to build up somebody. They're ignoring people. They're, they're, they're telling people, I'll pray for you and walk away and forgot they said they said it. They're looking in the mirror, seeing that they need to be changed to do a change, to do something different, but they're walking away, not doing anything. Fool. Y'all know them. They may be in the church right next to you. I wasn't saying the sermon, but then I don't want to offend anybody. Jesus even said it. His brother reiterated it, that if we do these things, we listen to word and don't apply it, we're fools. Quick story about this amazing man, and this has everything to do with faith. This French guy by the name of Charles Blondin. I might be messing his name up, forgive me. But if you don't know who he is, if that name doesn't sound familiar to you, that's okay. I'm from Buffalo. I should know his name. He's the first man to walk across Niagara Falls. 11,000 feet above the, the, the rushing rapids of Niagara Falls. He's the first one to do it, right? He does it. He walks across on a tightrope the very first time with ease. Just walk on across, boom. Come back on the other side. People from America and from Canada, they're cheering him on. Woo! 
Yeah, you're the man. Yes, that's good. So he starts doing tricks. He skips across. Moonwalks on the way back. Now I'm just playing. Moonwalk wasn't mad back then. But he does tricks. Real talk. This is a true story here. He does tricks going one way. He skips one way. He comes back another way. He's like, yo, give me, give me, give me something to do. Like, give, give me a blindfold. I'm going to do a blindfold. He does it blindfold. And he's doing it back and forth. Then finally he says, give me a sack of potatoes. And he grabs a sack of potatoes and he walks across, you know, 11,000 feet above the water. That's pretty, rushing rapids. They will kill you. Trust me, if you've never seen Niagara Falls, a powerful rapids. So he goes across and he comes on back. Finally, he's like, man, I'm feeling myself. Give me that wheelbarrow over there. Yeah, I'll take that. He grabs the wheelbarrow and he sets it on the tightrope. And he walks. And he walks. And he got his rhythm. And he made it across. Boom. And they were like, oh, man. Oh, they're cheering him on. And he comes back across with the wheelbarrow. Then he asked the crowd as they're cheering him on, do you guys love what you're seeing? Yes, yes. Do you believe that I can carry a person across and back in this wheelbarrow? Yes, you can do it. You're the greatest tightrope tight walker there ever was. You're the man. You can do it. Go. He's like, all right. Who's going to volunteer? Nobody. It's a funny story. It's a true story, but it's even true biblically. Why? Because we read in the Bible, oh man, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but oh Lord, I got some stress in my life. But remember when God brought you out of that situation before? Oh, you suddenly forget. Oh, God, God is there for me when I, when I need comfort and for mourning. Oh, man, oh, my goodness. Uh, but but, but I just, it's unbearable pain. I can't take it. You don't understand this kind of loss. But God is like, remember when such and such passed away? Was I not there for you? Now, 10 years later, you're as happy as a lily. All of a sudden, I'm a different God? Is that what you're telling me? We've seen God perform real miracles in every single person in here's life. We've seen God do amazing things in every single one of our lives. But when we're faced with certain challenges that life, not God, but life presents to us, all of a sudden, God can't fix it. All of a sudden, his word is not enough for me to just... He's done it for you. 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 He certainly has done it for me. Today, today, let's decide to no longer be listeners of the word, but let's be doers. Let us pray. Eternal and gracious God in heaven. Oh, my God, I thank you for this word. Your word is so powerful and so wonderful and relevant. No matter what we're going through, no matter where we find ourselves in life, no matter what our challenges are, God, your word has proven to be true time and time and time and time and time again. So no longer will we just say we are people of great faith, God, but let our actions speak louder than our words today, O Lord. I pray today, O God, that this word about faith and action really resonates within somebody's spirit today. That when we leave this place, no longer will we just be listeners of this word, but we will be doers. We will apply everything this word has to offer in our lives today. 
God, I don't know where every single person is in their walk with you, but I pray today that it is strengthened like never before and that we today become a people of great faith. God, we love you, we honor you, and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others. Our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.